All right. Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, oh, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, Mike, yeah is on the show. He doesn't even know how much fun that we're going to have yet. I haven't told him this, that my my father is a urologist and he's going to know very much why this is going to link to some of the things that we may or may not talk about on the show because we might actually have. When I produce the show, I click, or at least on the little YouTube videos, I click like, you know, I'm not supposed to click appropriate for children or something like that, but I would, this you never know where this show could go today, but why this is so important Hey, first of all, uh, CTO, Chief Chief Technology Officer, and underneath your title, and I've had we've had numerous debates about this. People and arguing, they saw this stuff like, no, no, uh, technology is a cost center. IT doesn't make money. We keep the blinky lights on. All this type of stuff. But you literally put it right on your profile. I make technology accelerate revenue, not hold it back. So I mean, that's just I mean, that's really the whole point of this entire show. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's it's the it's the mission statement of the show. It's the whole point of the show. It's helping IT directors crawl out of the um you know server room closet you know where people used to slide things under the door to you it's um not going into a meeting and gla- gla- glazing everyone over talking about uh, i don't know python and all kinds of other things and you know and it's you know showing the <laughs> it's showing the business how to make money and um so i don't know how do you feel about that so you know it, it's funny because you're right. Traditionally, right? We, we've been a cost center. We have been kind of the nerds in the room talking about just stuff that just goes over everyone else's heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that the paradigm is shifting. I think that uh, the, the way that technology, you know, a lot of, a lot of people used to say that you, you've heard before, right? How do we, as technology professionals, how do we get a seat at the table? Well, nowadays, I think that having you know, basic levels of technology, I think that's table stakes. I think that you can't even play if you don't have that uh, that ironed out, right? Hmm. So uh, especially as we go into AI, as we go into, you know, the content wars, which are, by the way, on, um, hmm. you know, and... Like uh, Help yeah. me with that. <laughs> Help me. So, <laughs> Keep going. Okay, so so let's talk, I mean, let's, let's talk about, I, I guess, the hot topic of the moment, which is AI. Uh, generative AI, LLMs, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm not going to go into any of the technical details, but what does this mean for business? Well, it means that if you're if you're in the business of generating content, mm-hmm. that means that that content is becoming watered down. Is that's yes. what it means? Straight it means it, it means that the amount of content that's being generated is increasing exponentially. Mm-hmm. It means that if you're not using the current tools, modern tools to keep up. You're mm-hmm. being left behind by an insurmountable gap every day that you're not keeping up. So interesting because I I put a task out to my AI guy, which is we were just talking earlier about why I went to Morocco, which is most people are like, oh yeah, it must be nice. You're in Morocco, hanging out, surfing, eating, you know, doing that's I really went to Morocco because I hired an AI guy and mm-hmm. he's really good. And, um, you know, me being and, and the other, the main reason why I hired him too, was to slow me down because I'm very, uh, a million like ideas a second and I'm very ADD and it'll be like, I need to stay on track. Like we have this one project that we must finish Phil. No, we can't go off this round. Right. But then when you add AI to it, it's kind of like, well, what do we do with this? How about the SEO? What do we do about this? Can we do this thing? Can we do that? And blah, 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 blah. He's like, yeah, yeah. And here's how we do it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you forgot why I hired you, which I hired you was to not have me do that. But the, 
you bring up a good point when you said the content wars and if you use AI for content, you're going to get all of the content that's out there, but what are you going to do with that? Are you going to use it to find the the top topics and then you're going to try and create something new to stand out? Is that, I mean, is that where we're going with that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of different ways that you take it from a business perspective, right? I mean, there is, there is in this day and age content for the sake of creating content which generates domain authority which generates clicks which generates you know conversion like the louder which, i like the person that screams louder and more often gets the attention yes but okay. that is a very sledgehammer type approach right okay. um there are other approaches where you you basically look into uh you know semrush and other tools and you find areas that you can you can kind of infiltrate all the gray spaces you can kind of seep in right mm. so let's take giddy as an example all right. Um, and, Giddy, and just so you guys know, the reason why I said we might have to like, you know, like um, I, it's not like you have like the hardest business in the world to generate content for. I mean, sexual health, erections, I mean, prostate cancer. I mean, you have like the you have the like creme de la creme as far. Uh, and we could even we could even accuse you of of showing up in my my text messages and my in my in email inbox on for ED medications and all kinds of things. And every every middle-aged man out there knows what I'm talking about. You are literally hammered with ed prostate sexual health yep. you're not you're not you know worthy enough of this woman you're don't you you don't want to lose your woman blah 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 it goes on and on and on so anyways continue yeah i mean I, <laughs> one the one point on that is that the dick jokes around here are unending so you know you just, <laughs> it's oh my gosh you, know, you just gotta learn to live with it um wow. you have a wonderful but uh you have a wonderful but, job. Where's H? How does HR get involved in your company? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because the line between dick jokes and so the the really and again, my father's thing. urologist. Okay, so it's like you know what it was like growing up in my family in like fourth grade and sitting at the table. You're just like, oh, help me. <laughs> the really ironic thing here is that the women do it more than the men do, and it gets super uncomfortable sometimes. Oh. <laughs> So, yes. I mean, just imagine, that. imagine that for a second. Well, but, if anyone that's worked in the hospital too, or has worked in healthcare knows that the line between like what we would call HR and like a bureaucratic, um, um, large enterprise level company, like is just, it's just not there. I mean, the, the hospital, the way that you speak in a hospital is just so frank sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and having my, my father, who's 87 now, he's a retired urologist, right? But he's been in, he's had a few hospital stays. He had sepsis and he was in there for a while. And like just the way that he and the nurses interact too is, you know, would be completely inappropriate, which would get you fired instantly in any other company. Continue. I mean, yeah, it is, it is what it is, right? But, <laughs> uh, but giddy. I mean, so we're in the sexual health space, right? We have a, you know, class two, um, FDA registered medical device for erectile dysfunction. Um, and so, okay, we can't target the term ED. Like, we're not going to compete with um, Cialis and, you know, there with all of the other terms that are out there, right? Viagra. There's You're going to no be paying way. a ton. It's like a little small telecom shop trying to compete with Vonage on uh, pay-per-clicks for voice over IP. You know, they, they're literally throwing millions and millions and millions of dollars at it, like, probably daily or monthly and just there's no point in doing it like like you said you've got to operate in the gray space 
Yeah. And how many end users? And just let's just do the general overview real quick. So sorry. So for all other tech nerds out there, how many end users do you have? Like, you know, real quick technology stack rundown or anything like that that you're allowed to say? Like just give me the yeah, br yeah. brief rundown real quick. Yeah, for sure. So um on the on the tech stack, you know, we're on the typical like Shopify, headless CMS, um, sanity, Vercel, Next.js, you know, that framework. Uh as far as you know, articles, we're at seven thousand, eight thousand articles. Um, so, you know, there's three sides of the business, right? So it is um, the subscription e-commerce business. It is also the media business where we're, you know, we're generating all the content that's driving to conversions. Um, and then it's kind of the data and the strategic partnerships, right? So we have a partnership with the DOD and the VA. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> yeah, the, if, you know, your, your dad definitely knows there are links between PTSD and erectile dysfunction. There are yep. links between, you know, veteran and military suicide rates and ED. There are links between just, you know, general psychology. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's there's all these different, and, and not to mention, right, cardiovascular health, overall fitness level, any sort mm -hmm. of medical conflicts. Like there's there's an infinite number of ways that you can develop this condition. Mm -hmm. So with that being the case, right, one of my jobs is to figure out how do we slot in the right message at the right time to deliver that dynamic content to convert the customers. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I that's what I focus on. That's what I think about day in and day out. Right? What technology enables me to best talk to you on your customer journey? Because that's one of the things about sexual health. It's a very very personal thing. It's not like if if you have a condition, you are hyper focused on that condition. You don't care about any of the rest of the crap that I have. You want to know. Like, what are your symptoms? What are your, you know, what are the solutions? What are the medications you can be taking? You know, so on and so forth, right? As much information as you can get on that. And and just to give you an idea, I went down that rabbit hole uh, a, a month ago because I get routine blood work. I'm like kind of like obsessed with like biohacking and stuff like this. And my PSA has always been one. It's like one, 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 mm -hmm. one every six months. I get it back. I'm thinking, I'm looking through my blood work. Okay, normal, great, good, this improved. Blood work. Getting all the way down. I'm like ready to close out the report. PSA four like mm. jumped up four points, which is like, I, you know, so I'm immediately like, oh crap, like do, like, do I have prostate cancer? Like, what does this mean? It jumps up fast. So I'm immediately you know, looking at all kinds of articles. What does it mean? Has anyone gotten any fake PSA tests? Anyone got this? Has anyone got this? Okay. Prostate cancer. How do you avoid it? What do you do with this? Could it just be in, inflamed prostate? Could it be this? Could it be that? So yeah, yes, yeah. hyper-focused. Well, you know, there's that. And then the other thing too, is that in today's day and age, where do you go to look for that kind of information? You're not going to go to, you're not going to go to Giddy. You're not going to like go down to my taxonomy. You're not going to go and like search for your, no, you're going to go to Google. You're going to go to YouTube. You're going to, you know, do searches and you're going to ask questions. Hey, my PSA is four. It was one. What's happening? Or, you know, what does it mean for elevated PSA levels or, you know, things like that. Right. So we can't own the terms around PSA, but what if we could own terms around elevated PSA or, PSA lower than than average, or you know, Fake is there a link test between, results? Yeah, yeah, or is yeah. there a link between exercise and PSA? You know, oh, mm. so that's what I mean by filtering into that gray space. You don't own the main terms; you own all of the terms around it, or you own the term plus some sort of like conditional factor, right? Mm. And that's how you start to generate additional domain authority. That's how you start to generate additional. Uh, SEO, right? That's how you start to kind of play the game with the bigger dogs that I obviously can't compete with, 
By the way, um, that was a very hard term to find. False positive PSA test results. It was hard to find. I was yeah. like going in Reddit and everything. So there you go. There's a term you guys can own. Yeah. I'll, own, uh, like, false, how often do pe do men get false PSA tests? And there's like a lot of like kind of like general stuff that pops up, like a couple things, but there's not really like, there wasn't, um, and there was no sign, like all the signs that are like, why would you have a false PSA? Like you had sex the night before. I was like, okay, that didn't happen. Crap. And then I was like, you know, you rode a bike, like, because the bike seat presses on your prostate. I was like, yeah, I hate, I hate riding bikes. It was like, you know, Excess, excessive exercise. I was like, well, I was running around the day before trying to like get a bunch of stuff ready to go before I got on the plane. I was like, nah, man. And I was like, and how much could it really jump by? Could it really jump from one to four and like that short period of time? You know, so like there really wasn't a lot of info and I had to go like down some deep Reddit, you know, like link. And I never even found the answer. I just found a bunch of guys that were like, yeah, I ended up having prostate cancer. And it was like, you know, I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> you know. Uh, and yeah. then when I got back and ended up being a false positive. So, and I get, and then when I spoke with my doctor, he's like, yeah, it happens all the time. Like what? Yeah. All of Anyways. that worry, all that, all that stress yeah. and research all for nothing. And I got the result as I got off a plane where I was going to be in a country for a month. <laughs> it <was> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. But it helped because all that month I was like doing all these other articles that you have on your website, like eating healthy, changing diet, all that type of stuff. So from that standpoint, it was life altering. But anyways, um, as an IT director, you're okay. So you're doing this, but let's talk like, okay, so how, how do we enter that gray space? How can some IT directors, it might be just the technical nerd running the network that might just be, you know, keeping the blinky lights on. Maybe he doesn't have the space inside the company. Maybe he's not. How can he help operator or uh, tips, uh, ideas, things that he can do to make the company more money? So I think that that kind of speaks to an even deeper question and, and, you know, just humor me on this one for a second. Right. Traditionally, we're we're the nerds that sit in the closet there, right? We're the developers that kind of sit there, translate things all day, translate business requirements into code, translate, you know, uh, some sort of outcome that we want to see happen. Right. Now that's all well and good, and that's what we've done for the past, you know, 20 years, 30 years. But AI is in the picture now. And what is AI really good at? AI is really good at translating. Right. So as it stands today. You can get basically a novice level of uh, of an engineer out of you know up out of a LLM with just some basic prompting. If you really get into the prompting and you do a good job with prompting, you can get you know like an intermediate level. In five years, that's going to shift. You're going to start getting high level uh, engineers. Like intermediate is going to be kind of the buy in, right? And you're with some good prompting, you're going to be able to get high level engineers. So what does that mean for us? And this goes back to your question. That means that being good at coding, being good at developing, being good at, you know, this language uh, is no longer good enough for us long term, right? So that means that we need to start branching out into marketing, into paid ad, into retention, um, into, you know, operations, into finance. And that is how we really position ourselves. So, you know, okay, going back to the question at hand, how do you as an IT director or as you know, someone that's kind of working in the space today, like how do you position yourself? Well, I think that the first step is to really start, you know, interacting and working with some of those cross-functional teams and start looking at the business requirements, not you know, not the tech requirements, the business requirements for what it is that the company is trying to achieve through those teams and through the union of tech and paid ad or tech and retention as an example, right? So, you know, we can think about tech and retention as, okay, well, we can talk about 
Klaviyo. You can talk about email and MMS marketing campaigns. You can talk about like all these other types of things, right? They all have kind of a tech centric background, but they're not fundamentally tech. There are things that you know other departments, other you know cross functional teams are doing that interrelate with what we do, and that's what I really think that we need to start positioning towards. You know, as experts in a language, again, the days are numbered. My personal opinion. So it's not necessarily like, do I need to know how to code? It's do I need to know how to use these AI tools? Do I need to know how to um, strategize for the business, uh, make meaningful connections and networks uh, that allow me to always represent the best in class solutions, right? Um, and yes, I think to a certain extent too, there is definitely learn how to be a prompt engineer. I mean, we're think about how Google changed the way that we do business. The same kind of shift is on the way. Like pre-Google and post-Google, right? Think about the ways that you used to gather information for your job or for you know whatever else prior to Google. That same that paradigm um... shift. That's a great question. We're going to pause there for a second for this part of the show, which was, um, what did you do? What did you do? I should have like a little sound effect here. Prior to the internet, and you're 40 years old and I'm 47. So you had to, so when I was seven, you were zero. Okay. So you had to have been around, you must have remembered, what was your first computer? Oh man. Uh, it was, it was one of those, I don't even remember the, like the, the Commodore. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, yeah, th- yes, that dates you well. So Commodore sixty four or something like that. But yeah, wh- do you remember doing stuff like I don't know, probably college for you? Um, would it be college, high school? It was me college, high school for you without the internet or dial up? It was remember a lot. Bibli- of- remember bibliographies? Yes, there was a lot of books. There were a lot of magazines around the house. Uh, there were a lot of. Uh, game guides <laughs> it was like it was like what what how did how like our research back then must have been pretty bogus and then when you started using the internet the teacher was like you can't use the internet for your research because it's yeah. not accurate it's not accurate it's not good enough yeah. now it's yeah. kind of like if you go to the library you'd be like well we only have access to this we only have access to this so how could my research be even good enough well and that's one of the interesting things about ai just in general right so ai does a couple things number one is it it brings everyone towards the median. So you start to gain, uh, so let me just give you an example, right? Let's say I have 10 customer service guys, Mm -hmm. okay? And of those 10, two of them are really, really great. Three of them are okay, right? And five of them are kind of crappy. ABC players. Yeah, ABC players. And and broken down into the the 80, 50, 50, right? We'll keep the B guys, the A guys are good, or the C guys will just recycle them out. Okay, yeah. So... So in that scenario, now imagine I introduce AI, okay? And that AI is learning off of, I, ha- I have it set to learn off of what those two really awesome guys are doing. Um, it starts to be able to predict my conversations. It starts to be able to look into my customer and user profiles, pull out all the relevant information, have that on the screen as the conversation is happening in real time, which is, by the way, what technology can do today, Right that suddenly elevates my five guys that are kind of you know, substandard, that elevates them at least the level of the three guys that are doing pretty well. It elevates the level of the, the guys, three guys that are doing really well to, you know, they're probably doing a little bit better. Um, and the two guys that are outstanding, they're still probably outstanding, right? So basically it brings everyone towards a mean, right? So that's one thing. That, another thing that it does is AI erodes trust fundamentally. So 
imagine the situation five years from now, right? I told you that the, that the content war is on. And in that content war, you're using AI to generate more content. Well, eventually the content that was generated using AI is now being referenced to generate additional content, right? So we're kind of in one of these situations now where it's like turtles all the way down, right? Like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if this goes unchecked, how accurate are your Google searches going to be? So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be fairly predictable, I would think. Uh, so exactly, right? It Everything kind of, to the first point, everything moves towards the mean, yeah. right? So yeah. I say that to basically say that AI is a very, very interesting tool in that it is going to completely, sh- just like Google, just like search did, right? It's going to completely shift the way we do business. It's going to shift the way that we think about how we do research, um, how we find answers to questions, how much we trust those answers. All of those things are now up in the air. The, the way that I think it from a, think of it from a very simplistic standpoint, I was talking about this the other day with just some friends, is it can only know everything that's out there, <laughs> right? It can only yes. know everything that we feed into it, right? And if the and if the like the foundation of humans is ignorance in general, I believe that the foundation of humans is ignorance, right? We are mm-hmm. we're, we're born idiots, right? And then we learn things, right? But the, yep. and if the foundation is is ignorance and and um, uh, selfish desires and right and you know the, from at a very base like standpoint then um, it, it's kind of like AI is going to be, the majority of it's going to be A, everything that everyone thinks and feeds into it all the time, but it's not going to be any, it it cannot, can it be any new thoughts unless it generates those new thoughts itself? And if it generates those new thoughts, it's only generating new thoughts on like the biggest database that's ever been built in the, ever, right? But can it really be creative? Well, so there's two things there. Uh, number one is that it can be creative, but not factual. Because at the end of the day, AI, all it's doing is it's drawing conclusions based on probability, right? So, you know, that's what that's what's called in the industry hallucination. When you ask, so there's an example of uh, what mammal, like, so you ask an AI a question, what mammal lays the largest egg? Uh, and then AI will come back to you and tell you, and you can, you can try this, something along the lines of elephants would lay the largest eggs because they're the largest land mammals and blah, blah, blah. Well, that makes logical sense until you think about the fact that, well, mammals don't lay eggs. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, and it, it will, AI will tell you that in a very factual way, right? So that's what's called in the industry, a hallucination. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one part of it. Another thing is that, you know, I think that fundamentally AI, it it's always regressive. Like it, it, it always is reactive and it's always backward looking, right? So it's it's not, uh, you can code it and, and you can prompt it in ways that, you know, have it look forward, but it's always using data and it's always using probability. So, you know, as an example, we all have invested and probably lost money in the stock market at some point. And any good, uh, any, you know, I'm any program that you use will always tell you that, uh, that, you know, past performance does not equate to, you know, future predictions, right? But that's essentially what AI does. So AI is basically saying, yes, uh, my Apple stock has gone up every year, uh, year after year for the past 10 years. That means that next year it will also go up by X amount. That's not true. True. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It is not true. Um, 
So, uh, but now in in, in a sense, we've, we've basically talked in a circle and we've, we've basically stated what I think everyone knows to be, I would, I would hope self-evident or, or somewhat obvious the, with with the exception of the hallucination thing. That's very nice. I did not know that. Um, you are, I, I think in an online retail space or a business that's, that's generates a lot of its income from online and, and, and paid advertising and everything, all this makes a lot of sense. What about a business to business manufacturing business? So like, for example, years ago, you worked for Cummins. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, inside my dad's boat, we had uh, two Cummins diesel, um, massive, massive engines. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, yeah. I love diesel. Um, all the electric people are like, uh, it, <laughs> how, how could, uh, how can, what about in the manufacturing space or something that might not be, that might be more wholesale or something that might be more business to business, less business to consumer type space um, that, that isn't, you know, health relationships and, 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 and how can we use AI in that space? What would your suggestion be to IT directors in, in a space like that? So it's, it's not always about generating. It doesn't need to be AI either. It could just be like, you know, Hey, like we, IT is in the business of helping. We're here to help, you know, make more money, be more efficient, you know, cut costs, like work across all departments. Nothing in the entire company gets done better without technology. So, you know, what's your, what are your thoughts there? So I, I think that let's talk about like the biggest picture here, um, just technology in general and the framework in which it operates, right? So, you know, we dated ourselves uh, a little bit ago. So we kind of grew up when computers had just started, you know, coming into prevalence and there was no internet. So back cell then, phones, I mean, even cell yeah. phones. Yeah, even cell like, phones, right? So it was like, dude, was you have nothing. a CD-ROM? Yeah. Like you have a CD-ROM. Right? Yeah, I, I still <laughs> remember... Uh, listening to boys to men, um, on my <laughs> CD player on repeat, uh, you know, back yeah. when I was a kid. And it was right? like a so, big, yeah, it was a, a C- Walkman CD player. Like maybe, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's insane. There was no such thing as a, a, um, you know, like a USB or thumb drive or like, there was no SSD, SSD drive. Oh no, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you know, mechanical hard drives that you would purchase, you know, from a mail order catalog that would, you know, you know, for like five hundred dollars to give you. I don't, I don't remember what size the the drives were back then, but it was obviously like two hundred fifty k or something, something stupid, you know. Well, and remember that there were a lot of iterations before we went from floppy disks to CD ROMs, right? There was like a bunch of kind of in between stages, just like there was a bunch of in between stages going from CD ROMs to Blu Ray. Uh, that was not. That was not an, an immediate thing. And just like, uh, similarly, there were a lot of iterations between Blu-ray to, you know, like hard drives and data and SSDs that we have today. There was people that had a whole collections of DVDs and then, yeah. Blu- and then Blu-ray came out. Like, yeah. And then you uh, could fit that entire collection on one, like one uh, Blu-ray. Uh, hurry up, sell, sell, sell. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but so the, the point that I'm trying to make with this, right, is that, Back then, everything was decentralized. It was the wild, wild west. Everyone was doing whatever they wanted. Uh, fast forward into the 90s, early 2000s, we moved towards this era of centralization, right? So we we moved into this era where like the Oracles and the SAP started really rising to prominence. Um, mm-hmm. Through the 2010s, uh, we, we, the pendulum swung the other direction and we started going into this decentralized model, right? Um, with apps and with, you know, kind of, at like Shopify and NetSuite and like companies like that. Um, as we kind of got into the, the 2020s, right? You, you saw like this, 
it's going even further in the decentralized direction where it's kind of like you're kind of picking and choosing off the shelf. Uh, everything is just um, a, a SaaS model now, and you're just kind of picking and choosing best in class. Well, now with AI, I think that the paradigm is swinging back in the other direction. Why? Mm. Because AI is more powerful, the more layers of your business it runs through, right? The more data it has, the more predictive it can become, and the more relevant the information that it can provide on, on any given layer. So on the customer and everyone's layer, complaining on, about simplicity as well. Like mo- most IT departments, CTO, CTOs, it's a layer of complexity and an ocean of crap that a lot of people have to sif- sift through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so go ahead. So what I'm seeing over the next three to five years, basically, is I think that the pendulum is moving from a decentralized model back to a centralized model, right? And the reason for that is going to be AI. And the more you can take advantage of it, the more benefits that's going to have overall to the efficiency of your business. So going back to give me some original, examples. Give me some examples of 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 how you see that and how that's how you think that is going to manifest itself. Okay. And can we so get on, and do, can we get ahead of the curve? Can we get ahead ahead of the curve somehow? Yeah. Um, so great question. So it's just a very easy example. Okay. I have a an email list that goes out to all of my customers. So, you know, my CRM, my CRM is connected to my CMS content management and my content management is connected to, you know, my customer database where all like my Zendesk or, you know, customer or whatever the case may be. Right. So um, as kind of all your other apps, I guess. Yeah. So, so as that information is coming in, right. I can see not only who, like what, what campaigns has has a customer been, you know, has, has been interacting with, what promotions they've been using, what orders are all associated with their accounts, right? And uh, and what kind of conversation I'm having with them right now. And given all of that information with AI, I can generate a probability of where this conversation is going to go and what kind of promotion or offer I can give to them to, you know, sway them. Like maybe they're thinking about cancel, or maybe they're thinking about like you know, yeah, your price is too high or, you know, whatever else. And right. And using AI, I can pull in all of my competitors information as well. I know uh, what the most likely shift they're going to jump to is, and I can preemptively beat that jump. Right. Mm. That's something that is possible with today's technology now, including AI. So are we gathering all the customer info, snowflake, something? What are we doing for that? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways. I mean, you know, typically the lake is something like uh, AWS. You're just throwing everything into, the, into AWS as a lake. And then, yeah, for um, for the warehouse, typically you're using something like Snowflake. Um, I think that putting in a relational layer is going to become more and more important as mm-hmm. uh, as the business. So basically what I mean by the relational layer, right, is I see Phil as a customer and Phil likes these four things and these are the things that he interacts. That looks a lot like, this subset of customers that I have up here, I group him with those customers. And these customers tend to respond well to these types of emotions, this type of messaging, this type of content, you know, and I'm running basically uh, an infinite number of sub businesses um, within my business, catering and, and targeting specific messaging and specific emotions and items and products, and you know, all of that stuff to you and that cohort of customers that's right? market that, i mean that's like marketing 101 it's just yeah. how does how does the it department help marketing do that exactly yeah and 
you know, the way that we help them do that is with those relational databases, building in as much information as we can to generate, you know, what that looks like. How would a conversation with you in marketing look? How how would you how would you sell them on AI? Because how many people have had that conversation where we need to use AI, we need to use this? Thing. Yeah, yeah, get the heck out of here. You know what I mean? Like how like how can you have that conversation as an IT director with your marketing department and kind of really, I guess, bring something home to them? So I think that okay. So what is marketing most interested in at any given time? It's always about revenue, right? It's about you know, you have your organic versus paid, you have your, and then you have your attention numbers that are built into that as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's fundamentally like, those are the numbers that they're always targeting. And then they're, they're, then they're looking at things like, you know, conversions, click through rates, bounce rates, you know, kind of all that, all that type of stuff. The way that you start to build rapport with them and you start to get them, you know, marching in the same direction is, Hey, these are the tools out there that can increase conversions by X percent decrease bounces by X, right? Ultimately lead to a greater top line of, let's call it 8% conservative number, right? I mean, the the, the conversion rates on pay-per-click, if AI can help do that, I mean, obviously, you know, their ears are going to be open and this may be going over some people's heads, but from someone that's played around and gone down the marketing hole for for years, you know, I, I I can understand that and appreciate it. So it's, you know, how, how would we do that by d- different keywords, different copywriting skills? How is AI, AI is AI going to open up a whole group of, like you said, kind of like a whole vertical of like uh, gray area topics that maybe we're not hitting on? Um, how is it analyzing everything that they're doing right now? So AI can and can do that specifically, but it's really not meant to do that as it stands right now. So right now, AI is really kind of in a generative phase. There's not enough data. There's not enough LLMs. Maybe in three years, we talk about this again, and I would have a different answer for you, right? But what AI can do is it can accelerate. So once once I understand, uh, so let me take a step back. AI can help group individuals. AI can help understand what the you know what are the uh, most important topics to them, and then AI can help generate information content uh, around those important keywords or those important topics, right? And then using, you know, Next.js, Purcell, um, Sanity, Contentful, or, you know, you know, you can use Shopify, like Hydrogen, you know, whatever, whatever you want to use, you can slot in that content as you understand, you know, so going back to the erectile dysfunction discussion that we we're having earlier, right? Yes. So if I, if I knew that you have ED because of PTSD, I could message that a lot differently than if I didn't know that, right? Yes. That, I think is that is the power. That is the power of AI. That is the power of search relational databases. Um, that's the power of you know really being being able to build an authentic conversation because that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. I, I'm I'm trying to sell you a product, right? But in trying to sell you that product, the first thing that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to establish trust and rapport with you. That's the goal, right? And in in delivering to you what it was the information that you need to have in order to make a decision and having that information be you know unbiased and trustworthy i've now i've accomplished you know that that initial goal so now you know you may or may not convert to me it doesn't really matter but what matters is that when you have this conversation with somebody else or when you think about you know something that is in the same vertical or you have another health question 
you know, that's kind of in the same vein, I'm probably going to be the first name that comes up. You're going to be like, yeah, I, I had a good experience. They gave me exactly what I needed in order to make, you know, my purchasing decisions or just, you know, to be further educated. Um, and as a result, that increases my ultimate domain authority, right? Which is at the end of the day, that's my goal. So in the, in the air of increasing education, any great tips or advice uh, that people should should be using and or doing? Because from a theoretical standpoint of marketing, that's always what marketing is trying to do. It's always what they've been trying to do forever is mm-hmm. speak directly and as niche as possible directly to their person to deliver messaging to. I mean, that's why marketing for years has been doing, you know, um, surveys take this survey, right? And then yeah. take the survey and you answer all these questions. And then like, you know, a year later, you're getting, you're not even a year later, you're, you're getting messages that you're like, how are they speaking directly to me? How are they in my mind? How do they know me? <laughs> right? Because you've already given yeah. them all of the information, right? To speak to you, right? So that's not like, that's nothing new, but being able to gain more, um, more of these kind of vertical markets or find these like very unique gray spaces and being able to speak to people very individualistically, right? Like, you know, like I'm a guy with eight kids. How many people have eight kids? I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people that probably have eight kids or more, not many, but if you had that list of those people with eight kids and you knew what their, you know, struggles are, like you can't buy a, you know, you're shopping for a van. You can't buy a Honda Odyssey as much as you would freaking love that car because it's like the best minivan out there, but it doesn't work for you because you've got eight kids, right? Mm-hmm. Because that little center seat doesn't do anything and you'd be all cramming in there and it'd be like a death trap. And, you know, like, man, you need but, like a, you need like a limo to, So like, yeah. So like, I know that you're struggling right now, searching the internet for Ford, uh, you know, like, you know, whatever, 12 passenger vans with like a rubber flooring, not a carpet flooring because your kids throw French fries and ketchup on the floor all the time. And, you know, a carpet's bad. I like, you know, it's endless. Right. But so what's your suggestion and or tip or give, give, give the audience something that's like a secret weapon or something that you do that you're like, look, this is what I do. This is my secret sauce. This is how I walk into every organization and absolutely, you know, kick butt and and um, you can do the same by simply doing this. And okay. of course, we all, we all wish that there was that real, like, kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. there's there's no secret sauce. But I mean, <laughs> let me let me take a step back and say a couple of things on this, right? It could Number just be like, one, hey, I'm just easy to talk to. And it's like, I'm a cool dude. You know, it could be that. Like, don't be a loser. You know, it could be that. <laughs> <laughs> could be, I think that. And, you know, and tell a lot of dick jokes. You're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I got, I got I, a picture no, for no, don't do that. Don't do that. That is, <laughs> do not do that. That does not work in your organization. That's not the advice. Do not do that. Anyways, go ahead. So I think that there's a couple things. Number one is, um, you know, fundamentally, what what is it about technology that sets us apart, right? So number one is it's a very thought intensive and you know type type of business. One thing that I would say that really sets me apart personally is that I'm always curious. I'm willing to talk to anyone, Phil. That's how we got connected. I'm willing to talk to anyone, learn anything at any time. I have an open mind. Um, and I'm always willing to uh, to think about like what are the best ways of doing things. Or if, if I'm doing things that are just like, you know, I, I start talking to my network and they're like, yeah, why are you doing it that way? I'm like, ah, why am I doing it this way? Uh, and if I don't have really good reasons for it, you know, I'm willing to change my mind. So I think that being curious, being open-minded is one thing. Um, I think that 
you know, other things are, look, at the end of the day, technology is changing faster than any one person or even any team of people can ever keep up with. It's just impossible. Um, you should find areas that you can specialize in, that you're interested in, that you learn, you want to learn as much about as possible, and then take that and leverage it, like, you know, trade it with other people, find, you know, like-minded individuals and, and chat with them and, you know, take away learnings of theirs uh, for yourself and take away, you know, and, and give your own learnings to them, uh, you know, as, uh, as, you know, kind of an exchange. I think that that sort of decentralized, you know, I don't, I don't really suggest going to YouTube or going to Skillshare or whatever. And like, yeah, you can do that and like learn how to code in Python. Like we were kind of joking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine and well and good. Uh, and if you do that, you spend all your time doing that, you're going to be obsolete in three to five years. Again, my opinion, right? Okay, so, so what should you do? So I think that you should really be focused on uh, networking, learning, you know, other areas of the business. One other thing that I typically do is as I go through uh, technical requirements, as I look at platforms, as I look at, you know, implementation partners, as I look at agencies, I always ask, who can I talk to that can... Uh, that can speak to why they chose to use you, your platform, the agency, you know, a consultant, a uh, a framework over something else. And I try to learn about like what are the you know what are the differentiating factors here from a business standpoint, not from a technical standpoint. I think that I need to make that very clear. At the end of the day, technology is a tool, right? And it's it's just a means to an end. And I think that a lot of times, you know, and, and through the last 10, 20 years, we've kind of been caught up in the whole, um, you know, it is it is like end all be all. And it's not. At the end of the day, technology is meant to enable businesses to succeed and succeed better than others and thereby stave off, um, you know, the extinction. Right. So fundamentally, if you're not thinking about the business as you're uh, as you're in that, you know, that te- those technical discussions then you're putting the cart before the horse. So that's kind of one of the things that I do um, as I'm as I'm in these discussions, as I'm working with my peers, you know, as I'm chatting with vendors, customers, um, collaborators, you know, people in my company, people outside of my company, I'm always thinking about the business before I'm thinking about the technology. And I always have a reason for if I make a decision, here are the business justifications for why I'm making that decision. So I think that what I'm what I'm basically saying is that we need to evolve from you know, code monkeys to to business people, to entrepreneurs. And that's the way that I position myself. And that's the way I position my brand these days. Yes. Um, code monkeys. The it, It's just, it's interesting. I Because uh, I talk with a lot of technology people, right? I talk with code monkeys. I talk with just IT directors that used to be the guy that worked in like the, like he was, a he, he worked in the cafeteria, but now he's the CTO. Like literally worked in the cafeteria and had like a failed band. And like now he's the CTO because he like talked with people and then he was like, Hey, I kind of like technology and computers. Can I work on the help desk for a little bit? And then next thing you know, he's the CTO. That says says a lot to like, you know, your ability to like connect, be curious, ask questions and stuff. And then you talk like some coding guy and he's just still like a miserable person because he's, I don't know, just, you know, arrogant and smarter than everybody else. There's that mentality too. The people that I find that are the happiest in technology, you're pretty happy, but I mean, like, I'm just like, it it at least seems like, you know, you could be screaming inside right now. The the jokes are too much. I can't handle it. Yeah, there's too many of them. (laughs) (laughs) But you know who loves their job a lot? I've yet to find, there's always some people are like, like, people from this country, they always seem really happy. These people always seem really miserable, you know? Like, 
the data center guys seem really happy to me. I think it's just because they're constantly racking and stacking and dealing with power and running cords and stuff. I don't know what it is. And they're just like, compute power. You know, like I just think <laughs> for some reason, the data center guys, like I, I, I rarely run into a data center guy that's not happy, but um, I run into a lot of IT directors that are unhappy. I, I run yeah. into a lot of mid-market IT directors that are unhappy, and it might be because they're not appreciated at their business. They they come from a business that's run by a bunch of good old boys. Um, I mean, it might be you know, might it's you're you're in a business that fully thrives in in like is make or break based on technology and marketing, right? But what about those guys that work for Cummins or John Deere or any of these other you know, or like any of these other companies that might be manufacturers that might not be heavily that might not have you know. Uh, the advantage of uh, 51% of the, I don't know what the population of men versus women is now, 49% of the world, you know, needing you at some point in their life, right? Um, yeah. And you guys have women products too. So you literally you literally have the benefit of 100% of the world in the sexual function industry. So congratulations on, on being that, you know, being on in IT in that industry, right? But what about the guys that have it a little bit harder? So, I mean, what I would say for the guys that have it a little bit harder is, yeah, I, I think that the advice still holds true. And that is that at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people that get to director of IT or director of technology or whatever, I mean, you've you've gone through the progression, right? So you've been a developer, then you've been like front end or back end. So you kind of specialized. Then maybe you're like an engineering manager, maybe you're a system architect, you know, at that point, right? Maybe you're like a senior developer and, and you can what about SAP I, I guys? There's SAP guys. Don't forget that. Yeah, there there are SAP guys. That's a that's a miserable uh, that can be a miserable <laughs> existence as well. I mean, hey, like I, I implemented Oracle, I implemented NetSuite, so I, I remember those days. Those were not fun. You know, okay. I, what I'm basically saying is that uh there are two there are two paths open to to you, right? You can be a specialist or you can be a generalist. Um I know I know I know some specialists that make you know, $500,000, $700,000 a year with like Google and Facebook and, you know, like fang companies. Um, they are very few and far between. They typically have a lot of seniority, um, but I, it happens. I, and I know plenty of those people. I don't know of many specialists that become CTOs though. So let me just, that one thing, right? So be, be a generalist. So I'm not saying the necessarily. It's, it's, it's advice that comes up a lot. Honestly, people say that they're like, don't don't specialize in something. Just like be like a jack of all trades type of thing in IT, which is kind of counterintuitive to a lot of advice that you get in life. Because a lot of people say like, you know, the know it all doesn't really, you know, doesn't really go anywhere. But that's not the case in technology. Leadership. I mean, at the end of the day, right? What's what's the goal? If your goal is to advance in your career, to move up, to ultimately be in the room with the CEO, the board of directors you know, the investors, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Is is your specialized knowledge going to be useful to you in those conversations? I would I would answer no. You need to know enough to be dangerous. You need yep. to know more than them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But but anything above and beyond that is a waste of your intellectual prowess. Right. That's why a lot of these that's why shadow IT happens sometimes because some sales dude comes in and sold your CEO that he's got to migrate to the cloud. And then you got the new SAP upgrades handed down to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, could you could you implement this today, Mike? Because uh, someone so told me we're going to increase uh, sales by 3%. And if you had been in that conversation with that CEO, if you had been like kind of loop... So this that's the thing, right? A lot of senior executives, they don't like to talk to us, right? Because we're boring. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't make any sense to them. 
they don't see things the way that we do. I'm trying to get to the golf course, darn it. <laughs> so or fundamentally jujitsu practice. But go yeah. on. If you want to be in the room, you got to learn how to speak the language. That's what it comes down to. It's cool. I, I've got the book, uh, how to speak the language of business it coming out very soon. If I can just get my producer, how I would do it. I'm about ready to just produce it myself. Hey man, you just, you just got an unknowing, uh, you, it? you just said it. You just, and you said the keywords. I wonder where I've got those keywords where maybe it was AI, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, maybe it was hundreds of interviews that I transcribed into one sentence. The, I totally went blank on the, on the, on the follow-up question, which was, I, I can't remember. So, um, oh, I know what it was. You said, so if the ultimate goal if the ultimate goal is to is get the seat at the executive roundtable to grow your career and blah, 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 blah. I guess my question would be is, should that be the goal? Because it's kind of like, it's like the Mike Tyson thing, right? Like there's like certain people, it's like, like the goal is to become the world champion. And then I became the world champion. And then, and I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan, by the way, in, in, and I don't mean in like the negative ways like i'm just it's like you you look at the climb to the top right so a lot of times people are like the goal is this the goal is this the goal is this and now i'm the world champion and then everything my life just melted away and fell apart you know what i mean i love yeah. mike, tyson. mike tyson's punch out by the way one of the best nes games ever no um, agreed but totally unfair <laughs> but agreed the the uh um should that be the goal like what is the end game for IT people? And no one, I'm still, no one has given me that answer yet. Hundreds of interviews later. What is the end goal, Phil? It's to grow um, erectile dysfunction, this erectile dysfunction company, no pun intended, to grow this erectile and this, you know, uh, company to uh, billions of dollars in cash out and um, uh, get out of here. Because uh, some people, I think some of the IT directors, eventually they just say, no, nope, screw it. I'm done. I quit. I'm going, I'm just, I'm doing this instead. I've had people just like, now nah, I'm, I'm in the rainforest now and I'm a horticultural guy or, you know, what's, yeah. what is the end game and what is it? So, you know, it better I can't not be to cash to, out my 401k because I just don't no, buy no, into that. No, I, I can't speak to everyone else, but I'll, I'll tell you what my goal is. My goal is to uh, have the resources to do whatever the hell I want, whenever the hell I want, damn everyone else. That's my goal. Why haven't you done it yet? Because that is step uh, 1 billion and I'm on <laughs> step 500 right now. Okay. So uh, I, I just, I had someone say that to me years ago and my answer was, um, I have eight mouths to feed and I must keep the electricity on in the house. Yeah. And you know, at the, but if the idea is big enough, and this learning as I'm saying this, the idea is big enough. The person will say, okay, we'll give it to you. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I think about these days is I, I don't put all of my eggs in one basket. I, so in addition to being CTO, I'm yep. co-founder of a consultancy. You know, I run a real estate business with my wife. We run a drop shipping business as well. That's what I'm talking um, about. And yeah, I also, I also run a, just a personal consulting business. Um, so look, you need to diversify your income streams at the end of the day. Look, work is work. It It's a means to an end. Some people you, you can find fulfillment in it or not. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally don't, I would much rather spend time with my family, uh, my cats, um, you know, how many watching. cats do you have? I have one. He's, he's really cute. Okay. I have two cats right now. I was trying to grow to like 50. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I have like a, I have like a bar, like we had cats for years. Like I had cats that lived to like 17 years. Like I had like cats. I was like, these cats are older than all my kids. And then, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, it was just crazy, you know? And, um, 
then the cats eventually they they you know kidney problems and and passed away and uh, I, I know we're coming up on an hour here so we won't we won't go much longer but now that we have two new cats and I was like, this time they're only going to be outside we're going to build shelters for them we're going to have all this cool stuff maybe it'll be like you know the the uh, what's the guy down in the Florida Keys a famous author that has all the cats what's wrong with me Hemingway oh, we'll make like yeah, a Hemingway yeah, yeah. we'll have yeah. like a Hemingway thing anyways so yes we have to um, uh, work to live not necessarily live to work so to speak but, yeah and look at the end of the day you know you you get the meaning out of your job or you know life or whatever it is um, as you kind of see fit uh, for me you know my meaning is spending time with the people I love and and spending as much time with them as possible and and enjoying you know the crazy I don't I don't hope to have eight kids but I do you know I'm, I am we are working on uh, maybe two maybe three um, so yeah. you know with that with that being the case right I I work for their future. You know, that's kind of what it means to me. Uh, just like, you know, my my parents work for my future. They were immigrants, uh, came over here from Taiwan. Mom couldn't speak English. Uh, her first job was stringing guitars in Nashville. And from there, she built like a real estate and restaurant empire. Uh, nice. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I view it as a means to an end. Some people don't. That's totally up to you. And I don't judge one way or another. You do you, right? Um, but I think fundamentally, if the goal is at least in the short term to move your way up, then my tip for you is don't don't be don't have the, the vision narrowed to technology only. I think that you need to uh, look at all the other aspects of the business and how technology uh, intertwines with them and really leverage that and use that as your your means for growth. Because again, at the end of the day, um, I think that uh, specialization uh, it leads you to a dead end. Mike, yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show. It has been a pleasure. Um, and I would say that you're one of the first people to to honestly answer the the question of what's the end game, at least um, how I expect people to answer it. So congratulations. Oh, thanks. One of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Phil, I mean, it was great chatting with you, obviously. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. But uh, But yeah. Look forward to seeing this and, and hope everyone got something out of it. Yeah. Thank you, sir.